Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Well, hello and a hearty welcome to this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan. Good to have with us this morning, Daniel Ackerman. Daniel shared with our church this past Sunday a message from God's Word in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. Daniel, thanks for committing to be with us this week. Yeah, it's great to be here. Excited to talk about this passage and think about how we can reflect on it and apply it to our lives. Well, we, we spent our Sunday morning in our service looking at a key song of celebration here in Exodus chapter 15, Moses' song following the uh, rescue or the provision of God as they crossed through the dry land there in the Red Sea. And, and it caused me to consider, when was the last time I celebrated like that? Mm. Maybe a something God had done in my life or maybe a key uh, the blessing that he had shared with me. We all want to be that person who's ready to celebrate God's work in our lives, but but often we don't. Mm -hmm. What would you say are some of the key reasons, the key uh, blocks uh, causing us not to celebrate, Mm. perhaps when we should? Yeah. Well, I think first it's important to remember, too, that in Exodus 15, uh, the people of Israel and Moses are uh, singing and praising God for delivering them from Egypt, uh, from bondage, from captivity, And he's done a miraculous work of delivering them and bringing them to a place of rejoicing and rest. And I think this song is, uh, we could say, maybe programmatic or uh, a pattern of what we can experience in our own praise of God, specifically for saving us from our sin. I think that's kind of the main thing we should be praising and rejoicing in the Lord for is our salvation from sin. But there are also a number of things that we can praise God for uh, in very small ways that he's working in our lives that maybe we're not always sure how he is working, but we can be confident that the Lord is with those who um, have his spirit. And, you know, Paul says in Philippians 4, 4, that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, again, I say rejoice. Uh, So it's a a serious command that we should take. Um, But oftentimes, I mean, I think of those commands in scripture that tells you to you know, essentially be happy or, (laughs) you know, praise God. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, how do I do that? (laughs) Um, So what are some of the reasons that we don't celebrate the Lord's deliverance in our lives when we should? I mean, there there are so many things that that come to mind. Uh, I think of, I guess, even in that context of Philippians 4.4, right before that, uh, Euodia and Syntyche are... uh, (laughs) not uh, agreeing with one another. There's disunity among the body. And whatever that disunity was, um, I think what we can learn from that at least, and Paul's command right after uh, talking about that situation is that disunity among the body can be one of the reasons that we don't celebrate the Lord's work in our lives because we're distracted by other things. We're distracted by you know, relationships that aren't as they should be. Uh, we're distracted by different conflicts or debates among brothers and sisters when we should be praising and worshiping God with one another, but we simply can't because we're too busy thinking about what that other person's doing or, you know, the the different ways this person in the pew next to me has has wronged me. So I think disunity among the body is maybe one of the reasons we don't celebrate the Lord's deliverance as we should. Um, I use the, the illustration of the story of Christmas Evans, the pastor from Wales, who for him, 
he uh, entered into a time where he was not celebrating the Lord's work as he should have been because the facts of the gospel had grown stale to him. Um, I didn't talk about it, but maybe more specifically, there was a teaching uh, that Christmas Evans, his congregation, uh, was being infected with that was called Sandemanianism. And that's just a big word. You say that again three times fast. Sandemanianism, Sandemanianism, Sandemanianism. And it was simply a teaching that, that de-emphasized the affections of, of the Christian life and said that true saving faith only uh, boils down to simply an intellectual understanding of the gospel, and that's it. And that type of teaching, whether you know, there are nuggets of truth in that, that type of teaching over time began to sink his congregation because all that the facts of the gospel, that Christ has died for our sins, that he was raised from the grave, all those just became mere textbook uh, details. And it was not uh, a hymn book for them to actually sing and rejoice in. So I think the facts of the gospel can grow stale in our lives. Um, I think of another reason, which maybe we don't, it's always easy to look at outward situations and, and say, you know, that's the reason uh, why I'm not celebrating or rejoicing is because of what this person has done or because, you know, my job's a certain way or my family's acting a certain way, when really it could also be sin in our own hearts that is causing us to, to not want to be happy in the Lord. And I think of uh, what David's word says in uh, Psalm 32. It says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And you don't really get to praise in that psalm until we see that David acknowledged and confessed his sin to the Lord. And in light of that, and in light of the truth that God forgives the sins of those who confess to him, um, David was able to praise. So I think sin in our own hearts is another reason we don't celebrate. And I think maybe lastly, another that comes to mind is you know, I, I think we can sometimes be suspicious of emotions or affections, and and sometimes rightfully so. But I think we can swing too far on that pendulum to where we can we can look at really meaningful uh, acts of worship, whether it's in singing songs of worship or in devotions to the Lord while reading the Word or whatever it may be. We can become suspicious of affections and emotions because we have begun to put a guard up against mere emotionalism and in doing so have have maybe neglected the truth of the gospel that to love Jesus is to be saved and the opposite uh, of loving Jesus is to hate the dark or hate the light to to love the darkness instead so I think of uh, true faith being love because we see what Jesus's words in John 3 says in verses 19 to 20 Jesus says that people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. So if, if people who are not believers love the darkness and hate the light, then the opposite must be true as well, that Christians should love the light. And there should be tr- real affections for the Lord and for one another. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge, like, feeler type and really emotional and affectionate. Uh, but it is good for me to, to show that in different ways. It, like, I love my wife by giving her a hug, giving her a kiss. I love my friends by, you know, giving hugs and words of encouragement. 
we all show those affections and emotions in different ways, but it's good to not be suspicious of them because it is good to love the Lord with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. So I think those are some reasons we may not celebrate the Lord's work when we should. And I look <clears throat> as a football fan mm -hmm. and a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I've had a lot of years where I've been disappointed. But I think looking, for, I, I, I read the stats. I'm excited for you know a game coming up, a particular game against the Pittsburgh Steelers or whatever it mm -hmm. might be. But when they went to the Super Bowl this year, mm -hmm. I was excited. Yeah. I've been longing for that. I've been looking for that. Now, I, I look. Am I longing for Christ? Am I in His Word regularly? Am mm -hmm. I am I looking at those promises that He has given me? It goes along with just what you're saying. I think if we look at some of the things we do celebrate, mm -hmm. we might see why we're not celebrating God as we should. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm often as a Cleveland Browns fan. Oh my, I'm sorry. I I am suspicious right. of <laughs> <Right>. emotions <laughs> or excitement because it usually doesn't turn out well for me. So. Maybe the illustration breaks down at some point. But, yeah. As analogies do. <laughs> That's no, right. I hear you. But, but, but thinking about what I do celebrate and uh, comparing that with why I don't yeah. celebrate Christ enough, mm -hmm. perhaps. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, Daniel, Paul in Colossians 3.16, a very familiar passage, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What is it about music and singing that is so special to God and his people? I mean, we, we sing every Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's something most of us look forward to. What mm -hmm. is it about music? Yeah, well, I guess in one sense, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, there's there's one sense in which uh, music expresses something that we just we can't express uh, with our own just normal words or without music or, or song, whatever it is. I, I've heard it said once, um, and this could maybe I'm just coming up with this. I heard it in a dream, but you know, a picture is worth a thousand a thousand words, but a, a song is worth a thousand pictures mm. <laughs> and, and just trying to explain, you know, songs are expressions of heartfelt realities that um, are just God's way of allowing us to express things beautifully and with creativity. And I'm not a very creative person. So sometimes that's hard for me to understand exactly. But I mean, you, you understand it when you, when you hear a good song and you hear good music that accompanies it, uh, you know that it is special and it's, it's expressing something that is true uh, hopefully, about God and about the world. Um, and people have been seeing since the beginning of time. I mean, Adam, when he was uh, created and uh, Eve was created from his uh, rib, he sings a song. He says, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So something, something had happened that God had done. He had you know, caused a deep sleep to come over Adam and took a rib from his side and created a woman. And those are kind of the facts of what happened. But there's something about those facts in that story that causes Adam to sing and to celebrate uh, what God has done in creating a, a, a helpmate fit for him. Um, so, I mean, maybe you could comment on, on it more, but songs are uh, meaningful expressions of what, what God has done in our lives. And they give us, um, yeah, songs too are, they're, they're confined by specific rules. Um, same thing with poetry. Like when you, when you read a poem, 
uh, sometimes you hear like these slam poets and you're like, I don't think that's actually a poem. You're just like, <laughs> you're just talking in a weird way, you know? Um, but poetry has confines and limits to how you can structure it. And that forces you to be really specific and meaningful with the words that you do put in those poems or in those songs. So in the same way, uh, hopefully we shouldn't be singing songs that are just all fluff and just, uh, inordinately repetitive or whatever it is, but I actually have meaning behind the words. So I think songs and poems are, are ways to kind of put our words in, in confinement, but in a good way that causes us to be really reflective over them. So those are my thoughts on it. No, that's, that's great. And whatever it is about music, and I'm sure a, uh, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a music uh, yeah. uh, end of music. We really, musician, need, we really need Taylor here. We really here. need somebody here. Yeah. Right, right. But the fact of the matter is that whatever it is, God knows. And God's mm-hmm. put songs in our hearts. And uh, when we're happy, we're often singing. Mm-hmm. Or when we're singing, we're often happy. Yeah. But uh, And they're memorable, too. I mean, lyrics are. are memorable. Like there, there are songs that I'll hear from 10 years ago that I haven't heard in so long, but the lyrics come to you immediately. So there's a way, and I think that's what Paul's saying in Colossians 3, 3.16, is that we can teach and admonish one another in wisdom by singing songs. So we do that with our children. We sing songs to them because we know they're going to be able to remember the truths that are are in those songs too. And so. of, often songs are memorializing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked about that in our adult Bible fellowship, that songs often mark something. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> maybe it's a relationship. You mm-hmm. heard a song on your first date. I'm not going to ask you what, yeah. your, what your song might be <laughs> if you have one. Yep. But the fact is that we do hear songs and it brings memories. It brings mm-hmm. back memories. And I think probably this was very purposeful here with Moses. It was a memorial song. And well, well, we're memorializing it mm-hmm. several thousand years later, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So uh, I want you to uh, go back to something you said. You referenced in your sermon that Moses points out that God is incomparable. And you challenged the congregation to consider what other gods might be competing for our attention, our, our praise. Give us some instruction. How can we identify those other gods? What, what's some, what are some ways that we can evaluate our lives? And we probably all ought to be evaluating throughout mm-hmm. our week, throughout our month, our year. Yeah. What are some ways we can identify those false gods, those other gods? Yeah. So maybe even before identifying what those false gods are, just look at the passage in Exodus 15 that talks about that, verses 11 to, 13, 11 to 12. Uh, Moses sings, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? lowercase g, mm-hmm. who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. So there we, we see a picture of what the end of these false gods and idols is, is that God will, in the end, swallow them up uh, and destroy them. And I think I said something to the, the effect of, you know, God will put an end to the, all those who seek to steal his glory. And yeah, we do need to be aware of the things in our lives that uh, I think, you know, Tim, uh, Pastor Tim gave me the phrase substitute saviors, the things that we can functionally use to replace as God in our lives. Um, Because, you know, in the Bible, idols or lowercase g gods are always referring to just actual man-made things, like Mm -hmm. actual man-made images or carved images, with the exception of Colossians 3, 5, where covetousness is called idolatry but in every other instance an idol is actually a man-made thing so we keep that in mind but we also recognize that even in the worship of these false gods as 
Old Testament um, figures were doing, like the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18, they were ex- expressing their idolatry in trusting something other than the true God. So I think one way we can evaluate is what are we trusting in to give us satisfaction and joy? Um, and we can look even just at our calendar uh, of our day and how we spent our day. What are we trusting is going to give us the most fulfillment throughout a day? Um, are we are we just totally overworking ourselves with with a job and and seeing our reputation and you know a good day of work as the ultimate end of feeling like we've accomplished something significant? Um, you know, I mentioned in the sermon sexual immorality. Uh, are we are we pursuing relationships outside of uh, covenant faithfulness to a, a wife or a husband that is uh, promising us pleasure beyond what the Lord has ordained, ordained as as appropriate and actually good for us? We can look at money. You know, are we are we uh, checking our four hundred one k too frequently? I'm pretty young, so I don't. <laughs> I don't even know if I have a 401k. You're about 399k, maybe at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't even. I don't know what those uh, words and letters mean. But um, we can look at that. Are, are we, you know, checking our bank accounts too frequently, and, and are we too worried if, if uh, you know, we lose a little bit for something like that? Do, does our anxiety and our blood pressure raise when when we lose money in that way? Um, I think another big one is social media and technology. And, you know, I'll be an equal opportunity offender here and say this is not just for younger generations, but I think older, older generations, too, can struggle with Facebook usage or, you know, Instagram, whatever the different social media apps could be, you know, whether it's TV, news, phones, texting, what, you know, there's just there's a, a bombardment of information that is coming at us that we can feel like if we just know enough about what's going on, then we can, you know, be a source of information for others and people can look to us for information and for um you know praise and 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 whatnot so social media can be a god and i think with these three things i've these aren't original to me but there's three questions that i've heard that we can use to evaluate uh whether something is becoming what we might say an, an idol in our life where does my mind wander uh when idle so where does my mind immediately go when i'm in a, an idle moment uh, am I thinking about, you know, the next thing at work? Am I thinking about a project or assignment that I have? Am I thinking about, you know, the next paycheck that's coming in? Or am I thinking about the next opportunity I'm going to have to to use my computer or my phone for illicit purposes? Um, you know, where does my mind go? And many times uh, those things that immediately come to mind over long periods of time, those are going to be the things that are seeking to um, steal your praise and uh, affection for the Lord. You can ask, what is going to cause me to sin if I don't get it? What is the one thing that if I don't receive this, I'm going to get angry about it. I'm going to be really frustrated. I'm going to snap at my wife or I'm going to snap at my husband or my kids if I don't get, you know, 30 minutes alone watching TV. Um, Or if I don't get, you know, this meal that I really wanted and my my wife makes something else. What are the things that are going to cause me to sin if I don't get it? And what's going to cause me to sin in order to attain it? What will I do to maybe lie? Or what is it that is going to cause me to lie in order to receive it? Or, you know, be deceitful in order to attain it? So those are some questions that could be helpful in just trying to figure out what are those things that are seeking to steal God's glory in my life. 
and you point out a number of things that <clears throat> generally considered to be negative. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> too much social media, TV, and, and mm -hmm. trend negative. But couldn't we also say that uh, you know you you gain your uh, your livelihood, mm -hmm. uh, you get paid by a church. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it could also be striving after renown within the context of God's people. Yep. Uh, I I struggle with that. I as an achiever, as a mm -hmm. lifelong achiever, yeah. I have had to really pull back mm -hmm. and force myself. No, you don't need to be doing that yeah. because I struggle. Why am I doing that? Yeah, exactly. And I think I'm that's the key the question. Right Why am I doing that? Because you can do great things, amazing things. And it can have a real benefit for other people the more that you take on and accomplish. But yeah, th th I think that's the question. Why am I doing it? Am I, am I really doing it because I, I really do want to serve others and serve the Lord? Um, and I can, I can do that while not neglecting other responsibilities that the Lord has given me, like family, like children, like spouse. Uh, if so, then maybe you're doing it for the right reasons. But if you're doing it for, and I, I'm speaking to myself too, Bart, if I'm doing it for uh, you know, the applause and uh, the praise of others, if I'm doing it so that others might think highly of me and I actually am putting up a facade of someone greater than I actually am, then yeah, that's a that's, uh, reason to pause and to maybe reevaluate those types of commitments. Well, Daniel, I can't help but notice when I read ahead in the Exodus narrative, it's mm -hmm. only a very short time. Uh, they go out into the uh, wilderness. They're in the wilderness for three days, it says here in the latter part of chapter 15. Uh, the people are once again very quickly in a difficult situation. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, they aren't praising God. They're thirsty. They're hungry. They seem to take their eye off of God's provision for them. Can you share some ways we can avoid falling into the same pattern? Yeah. Yeah, they are in a difficult situation, but it is kind of funny that, you know, the situation they're in now is hungry and thirsty. And before it was, you know, the Egyptians telling the midwives to kill the, the right. male children. So it's like, right. well, come on, guys, have a little perspective here. But yeah, I think I think there is some ways that we can avoid falling into the same pattern. And I think that because the author of Hebrews tells us a number of different ways that we can avoid uh, falling into the same uh, types of failures that the wilderness generation did. So I want to actually read uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse, uh, a couple verses in Hebrews chapter 3. <clears throat> so he starts off quoting Psalm 95, which is talking about this generation. And the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years, Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And then he gets into some of these ways that we can avoid falling into the same uh, type of mistake. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So he gives a couple of commands in, in this passage here, and even throughout the rest of the book of Hebrews. He says to take care. Take care lest there be in any of us an evil, unbelieving heart. So keep watch over your life. 
Uh, don't just go throughout the days and not give any attention to, to what you're putting into your heart and to your mind, but take care that the, the influences around you, whether it's the people or the things that you listen to or watch, are not causing you to fall away from God. Peter talks about being sober, be vigilant. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and he even says, you know, later on in Hebrews chapter 12, that we should lay aside every weight and sin. So he not only says we should lay aside sin, but we should also lay aside different weights, uh, different things that maybe aren't necessarily sins like we've talked about, but things that are going to cause us to maybe not run the race well. So for instance, you know, social media technology, again, good things that can be used well, but maybe they are temptations for you to spend too much time on or actually to, to lead you to sin. Maybe it's a good thing to put aside those different types of weights in order for you to, as he says in Hebrews 4:11, to strive to enter his rest. We can put aside bad sleep habits in order that we, you know, we can wake up early and spend time in the Lord's word and have good attitudes throughout the day. We can exercise and just take care of our bodies and, and do different things that, again, aren't necessarily fighting sin, but are causing us to run the race and to strive well. So, and then I also just want to mention, you know, he says in Hebrews 3, verse 13, exhort one another. That is, urge, urge others to do something. And in this case, to urge others not to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I think that's one of the main ways that the author of Hebrews warns us uh, of how we can uh, be careful not to fall like the wilderness generation. He says later in chapter 10 that we should be meeting together. We should not neglect the gathering because by it we uh, tell each other how to accomplish love and to do good works. Uh, so, I mean, in our context, we have ABFs, we have small groups, we have women's ministries, men ministry. We have one-on-one discipleship, different relationships with people we know. We should be exhorting and urging one another uh, to not fall into sin. And Bart, we need to do that by by being there. And it's hard to evaluate other people's lives if you're never in contact with them. So if I were to never see you on a Sunday morning or a different you know church functions or in this setting here, some I wouldn't... people count that a blessing. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, it is great when it happens, but you know. <laughs> But it is good for us to be together because we actually have chances to examine how each other live and how we interact with our families and our friends. And I need that in my life. I need people to evaluate how I'm living and to exhort me not to fall into the deceitfulness of sin if they see something that uh, is going astray in my life. And we're we're a big church, yeah. We're a big church, so sometimes it's easy to, to get lost. So it does take intentionality both on the part of ourselves and the, the part of others to reach out and to be reached out to uh, in order for you know our lives not to be shipwrecked by um, sin. Well, and, and there is something about celebrating together. Yeah. There is something about mm-hmm. giving each other a high five at a yeah. football game or coming in and just, wow, what has God done? Look at this. Yeah. Look at what God has done. And look what God's done in your life, Daniel, or in my life, and uh, encouraging one another. Yeah, yeah, not just ex- exhorting for sin, but yeah, encouraging and, and pointing out you know ways that we see the Lord's grace at work in other people's lives can be a huge encouragement uh, in ways that we might think it's just something small but could have you know huge implications for that person's life. Okay, so let's, let's go here as we end. Uh, there are those throughout our congregation mm. and, and our listening audience even now for whom it is difficult 
to celebrate. Yeah. It's difficult to sing. It's difficult to praise God right now. Perhaps they're in the, in the middle of difficult circumstances. It's 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 hard to praise God at that time. What encouragement can you give that one who just can't bring themselves to sing to God right now? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point too because, you know, oftentimes and, you know, maybe we're not innocent of this we can treat worship in churches as just a happy-go-lucky celebration and uh, can oftentimes neglect the real hurt that is within a congregation and i think you know one way that we can be mindful of that is to to have the book of psalms in mind and if you were to read through you know the whole book of psalms which which i hope you'll you'll do at some point um there the third of the whole psalter is songs of lament. Mm. I mean, just a third of all the Psalms are songs of lament, which is just simply songs that are laying a trouble before the Lord and asking him for help. Um, so like we can sing th- songs like that. I think of uh, the song Satisfied in You by the Sing Team. It's a, a, a song that's basically about Psalm 42. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? You know, and then it ends with, I will praise you and I will trust in you. And I, I wanted to read a quote actually from a guy who, who answered this question before. His name's Carl Truman. Hmm. And there's a, a an article that he wrote that is really helpful that's called, What Can Miserable Christians Sing? So, <laughs> so he's getting at this go. idea of what, what can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, what can Christians sing who who feel just miserable? who feel, whether it's, you know, whatever it could be, there's any number of sufferings they can be going through. But this is what Carl Truman says uh, as as type of advice that he'd give for both people who are in those situations and for, for pastors and church leaders who are working with people who are suffering. His advice is this, read the Psalms over and over until you have the vocabulary and grammar necessary to lay your heart before God in lamentation. If you do this, you will have the resources to cope with your own times of suffering, despair, and heartbreak, and to keep worshiping and trusting through even the blackest of days. You will also develop a greater understanding of fellow Christians whose agonies of, for instance, bereavement, depression, despair, sometimes make it difficult for them to prance around in ecstasy singing, Jesus wants me for a sunbeam on Sunday morning. (laughs) And you will have more credible things to, the, to say to those shattered and broken individuals, be they burned out bank managers or down and out junkies, to whom you may be called to be a witness of God's unconditional mercy and grace to the unloved and the unlovely, for such as the Bible might put it, were some of you. So I think we need to, to just be aware that the Bible gives us words to sing in all occasions. Uh, scripture gives us, for instance, Psalm 13 uh, is a song of lament that was really helpful in a time of my life where I was feeling honestly just crushed and and in despair over both sin and just the worries of this life. Psalm 13 gave me a template for how I should pray in that moment. And in the Psalms, the Psalms are in many ways uh, godly complaints. And we can complain to the Lord, but the good thing about the Psalms is they don't leave us there. They, they lead us to continuing to trust uh, in our faithful God. 
So we should, you know, read the Psalms and, and learn from the words of scripture of how we can pray. Um, so pray and, and, and praise the Lord. So that's, I guess, the biggest uh, piece of advice I could give. You, you talk about laments. Uh, we have one book in the Bible that was written by uh, Jeremiah, one we call yeah, the, the weeping prophet, or the yeah. lamenting prophet. Yep. And immediately following that, he presents lamentations. Mm-hmm. It's possible to praise God through lamenting, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, it's better to, um, it's better to complain and lament to the Lord than just to, you know, to one another, right. uh, because, you know, our, our complaining, uh, when it's directed to the right person who can actually address that type of situation and that suffering and that hopelessness, that itself is an expression of our dependence upon the Lord. So it's good to, to complain, but it's also good not to stay there. It's good to, to go beyond the complaint and the hopelessness and the despair of a situation and be moved toward trust in God's faithfulness. And we do that, again, through reading Psalms, but also in, in talking to others and being brought out of that and being told God's word and being reminded of his goodness, his character, his attributes, and the ways that he's worked in our lives. Well, as we say regularly here on the podcast, and we hear it from the platform, we even said it just this past week on last week last week's edition of the podcast, but... It is so important to have a proper perspective, a proper doctrine, theology of God, mm-hmm. who God is, and that God does know things we don't know, mm-hmm. and that uh, even when things aren't going our way, or even when things are just in a swirl, we can lament to Him because we know He has it in His hands. And God, show me the truth. Mm-hmm. God, show me the way through this, and help me to praise You even in the midst of that. Yeah, that's right. And even in the most dire of days. You know, we can remember that we will sing one day, and then we'll sing forever. Uh, after our final deliverance from earthly pains and bondage without any tears and with our Lord face to face, we will sing without tears and with full joy someday. And we should be tuning our hearts to, to sing like that now by praying for the Spirit to help us. Um, but yeah, it's we can sing, we can sing with, with tears and with silence right now in times of suffering. Great place to end. Daniel, yep. thanks for joining us. Appreciate your being here and appreciate your work and sharing with the congregation this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, Daniel Ackerman has been our guest for this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. We've been discussing his recent sermon from Exodus chapter 15, and you can access each Sunday message and each podcast episode by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking the media tab. You can also access podcast episodes using your favorite podcast app. And we also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. Join us next week as we plan to visit with Jeremy Kimball. We'll be continuing our discussion of God's Word in Exodus chapters 15 and 16. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.